Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. I, I began to deal with at the beginning, uh, well, last week, I began to deal with, with some things about maturity and about uh, faith works by love. And, uh, you know, the, we, we sat down and we planned out uh, planned out the year, and, and uh, you know, I didn't know God was going to do this with, this, with, with the, the series on faith. You know, we, we planned a series on faith, and I, I have taught faith my whole ministry. You know, for, for 35 years I've taught faith, and uh, so I thought I knew how to teach faith, and the Spirit of God just began to do something different with it today, or this, this, uh, this time around. And, and so we're going to do some different, he's, he is calling us to maturity. And from here, now that's our theme for the year, but from here, where are we going from here? We're going on to maturity, right? Anybody ready to go on to maturity? Praise God. You see, there is a time in everyone's life when, when we are in a growing up process and how many ever met a 40-year-old that still was a, in, in, their, in, in their maturity level was still about 15? You know, I, I've met some of those people. They're 40 years old, and they're still 15 in their mind. And, and, uh, but God's called us to do better than that. I've met some spiritual people. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, you know, in, in their spiritual walk. I've met some people that are, that are you know, 50 years in, they've, they've been saved. And 50 years in, they've been supposedly walking with the Lord. But they're still acting like 12-year-olds, spiritually. They're, 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 uh, but there comes a time, you know, there, there comes a time... When if you've got a 40-year-old in your house that still thinks they're 15, it's time to kick them out and say, go get a job, grow up. Yeah. All right? There comes a time in our spiritual walk and in our, in, in our uh, church life and body life, there is a time when you have to say, you know, all right, here's the line. It's time for us to grow up. And that's where we are. That's what the Lord is saying to us right now. It's time to grow up. Praise God. It's time to move on beyond where we are. Now, there, there's a reason why we have been stuck in elementary things. 
because you have to have those elementary things. But the Apostle Paul, uh, I say the Apostle Paul, I believe that it was Paul that wrote Hebrews, and, and I have reason for that. That's not the point of what I'm saying, you know, right now, uh, you know, some scholars would disagree with me, but uh, that really doesn't even matter right now. Who, who wrote it? The author, is the, the author is the Holy Spirit, and there's no argument about that. The author is the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I just find myself saying Paul just out of habit, okay? But, uh, but anyway, the author of Hebrews said it this way. When we come into the sixth chapter, he says it is time to leave behind the elementary principles of Christ, not laying again the foundation. So you can do foundation work and just keep doing foundation work and foundation work and foundation work. You don't get a building that way. Foundation. And there comes a time when every contractor, every construction person, uh, you know, we got Tony back here that does construction. And Tony, you don't just keep working on the foundation, do you? There comes a point when you got to start building on the foundation. Praise God. And that's the place that we are right now. I hear that so strong in my spirit. And we are at the point it's time to start building up. Hallelujah. There, you know, there, there is a time to go deep. There's a time to build deep and lay those footings and lay that foundation. And there, there is a time for that. But if you don't leave that behind at some point and start building up, you never get in a building. Praise God. And so the Lord is saying to us, it's time to go on to maturity. Praise God. Praise God. Now, in Isaiah chapter 28, verse number 9, it says, Whom will the Lord teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. So this is how we grow up in Christ. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there. We grow up on Christ by building by building, praise God, just doesn't happen because we walk in the room. It just doesn't happen. You know, you don't get a building just because you lay a foundation. You get a building because you build on the foundation. Praise God. And, and I talked to you about the various moves of God that have happened in the earth. I'm not going to go there again. But, you know, we don't throw those out and say that was of no value to us. It was, you know, does, that doesn't matter. That's what God used to be doing. Well, let me tell you, God doesn't change. He set out on a course to fulfill a plan. And I'll tell you what the plan was. The plan was that he have a glorious church. Praise God. And then he goes on and says, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing see he's got a plan to have a glorious church he's got a plan to have a church that has grown up into the measure of the fullness of the stature of christ 
Praise God. In other words, what God is doing and what He has been, uh, what what He has been building since Jesus went back to heaven, building a duplicate of Jesus in the earth. Now, here's what people say many times. Well, wouldn't it have been wonderful to walk with Jesus? Well, yes, it would have. I mean, sure, I'd like to hang out with Jesus for a while. But you know what I do? I do because he's in me. Hallelujah. Now, I've never seen him with my physical eyes. I've never heard him with my physical ears. But I hear him every day. I talk with him every day. Praise God. Praise God. We hang out together every day. We communicate every day. I've learned to listen to him instead of just talking to him all the time. That's part of maturing. You know? And so we, we grow up into, in, in, into Christ, but he's creating a duplicate of Jesus in the earth. Praise God. You know, Jesus didn't just come and walk on this earth for, for uh, 33 years and then go back to heaven and everything go back to the way it was. No, Jesus came to this earth and he started something. Praise God. He didn't start a new religion. That's not what he came to do. He didn't come to start a new religion. He came to bring God back into the earth. How many know, and I'm not saying he, that God ever left, but I'm talking about the, 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 the revelation of God. I'm talking about the manifestations of God. I'm talking about the glory of the Lord. The Bible says the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, something was lost there. And God set out at that moment to restore that glory that filled the earth at that time. And he, you know, you think, well, it's been 6,000 years. Couldn't he have done it by now? Well, you know what? God, dealt, God dwells in a timeless realm. And he, and he works through people. Praise God. And God is when, when, when the Bible says love is patient, 1 Corinthians 13th chapter says love is patient. Well, the Apostle John wrote this in 1 John chapter 4. He said God is love. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said love is patient. So if love is patient, God is very patiently and very methodically doing his work in the earth to duplicate Jesus in the earth. Now, Jesus said, when he was getting ready to go back to heaven, he said, it is good for you that I go away. So, if I'm saying, well, wouldn't it have been great? Oh, I wish Jesus was still here. Well, he is still here. And if you've received him as your Savior... He is on the inside of you. You need to become conscious of that. You need to be aware of that and, be, and, and function like he's in you. And stop functioning like Jesus is in heaven. You know, I mean, he is seated at the right hand of God, but you know that Jesus is omnipresent. Though he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, 
at the same time he's in you. Praise God. Praise God. So he is here in the earth today. But God is creating the, the ministry, the life of Jesus here on earth again. Well, you know, Jesus never met a sick person. He didn't heal. Well, you know, that, that's not in, entirely true. Because the Bible tells us that uh, uh, when he was in his own hometown, they wouldn't receive it. They, they didn't believe it. It said that uh, uh, there, except lay his hands on a few sick people, you know, uh, just a few. And the reason he couldn't is because they said, hey, we know this guy. Yeah, he grew up just down the street from me. We, we know him. Who does he think he is, somebody special or something? And that was their attitude toward Jesus. And they said, you know, and because of that, they could not believe. They could not receive any of the mighty works that he had worked in other places. And praise God. Today, Jesus is in you, and he wants to do greater things than when he was here in the physical form in this earth. He wants to do greater things in and through us. Praise God. You know, something that has to happen very, very quickly. And the reason I say that is because it took us 2,000 years to get where we are. So we're not going to get to, we're, we're not going to get all that done like in a few minutes. But I am going to tell you that God is going to break out on this earth and his glory is about to break out on this earth and things are about to be accelerated on this earth so it's not going to take us 2,000 years to correct what we messed up in 2,000. Praise God. We've messed a lot of stuff up and we might as well own it. Because we have messed a lot of stuff up, but we've, got to, we've come to this point, and God is saying it is time to go on to maturity. Praise God. It's time to move beyond where we are. It's time to quit making excuses for where we are. It's time to quit saying, well, God used to do stuff like that. I wish he'd do it again. You know? Didn't Jesus say, do you believe what Jesus said? Did Jesus know what he was talking about? Do you, do you believe what he said? He said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these, because I go to the Father. It's good for you that I go away. Why? Because there was one person named Jesus who walked on the earth, who was limited to a physical body, now, God's not limited, but God moved inside a man. Praise God. And, and moving inside a man gave him the right to function in the earth. Praise God. And so he moved inside a physical body named Jesus who was limited to, the, to, to be one place at one time. But today, you know... 
Look around, and you can see, you know, I, I trust that most of the people in this room, if not all, have received Jesus into their life as their personal Lord and Savior. So you can look around this room, and you can see how many Jesuses are just in this room. Praise God. We can see how many, let me, let me say it a different way because it would actually be more accurate. We can say how many Christs, you're the body of Christ the embodiment of the anointing. So you can see how many bodies of anointing there are just in this room. Now you can only begin to imagine then how many there are worldwide. Why can we do greater works? Because we fill the earth. We can fill the earth with the glory of God. Praise God. But you know what? You have to faith you, you've, got to, uh, you've got to begin to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, sight looks in the mirror every morning. Never will. That's what sight says. Sight says, you know, didn't look like anything special to me. But faith says, you know, there is more than a conqueror looking back at me. There is a, there is a body of the anointing. You ought to make a card and put it on your mirror and say, good morning. Good morning, uh, you know, Christ in the earth. That's, that's who you are. And we don't see who we are because we start out looking in the wrong mirror. The mirror you ought to be looking at is God's Word. God's Word is the mirror that will show you who you really are. They say mirrors don't lie. Well, the one in my bathroom does. Because one in my bathroom don't, you know, that... That thing looking back at me don't look all that great. But when I look in God's Word and I see who God's Word says I am, I look pretty great. Praise God. Praise God. I am growing up. I purpose to grow up into the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. Praise God. I am determined that I will be what God created me to be. I'm not trying to make myself something. I'm trying to recognize who He made me. You know, I don't need to try to make me something. He did. And His Word tells me who I am. And my faith says, I better believe it. Praise God. Praise God. Now, what did he say there? Let's look at this. This thing keeps going black on me. So, well, you ought to use a paper Bible. Well, then I'd have to be turning. So, you know. First Corinthians, 
the third chapter, verse number one. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal people. As to carnal. I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. What does the word carnal mean? The carnal, the word carnal, you know, everybody knows what it means. You know, you eat it every day, carne asada. That's what it means. Meat. All right. Flesh. So he said, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to flesh-ruled people, as to babes in Christ. There is nothing wrong with being a baby. You know, I've been... I've been telling Hannah that she needs to name her baby after me uh, because you name your kid after the most important people in your life. And so, you know, um, she's not buying. But, uh, but anyway, um, you know, there is nothing wrong with being a baby. And I'm planning on holding that baby. And when I hold that baby, I'm not going to say, you stupid kid, you shouldn't be a baby. I'm not going to say that. Why? Because it's okay to be a baby. It's great to be a baby when you're supposed to be a baby. But it is wrong to be a baby when you should be mature. Praise God. Praise God. And if you're 40 years old and you're still acting like a baby, that is wrong. Praise God. Now, he says, I couldn't speak to you. As to mature people, I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. Why? He says, because until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. Now that is a rebuke right there. He's saying by this time you ought to be chewing on some carne asada but you're still drinking milk. So I got, I got to still feed you with milk. He says for where there is, get this here, here's a clue right here. How to know when people are ready for meat when people are ready for solid food he says for where there are envy strife and divisions among you are you not carnal and behaving like mere men for when one says i am of paul and another i am of apollos are you not carnal he said there, there's divisions there that ought not be He says, that's not what it says, is it? Where, where were we at? All right, all right. Verse number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 3. says, for you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, 
are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one says, this is what I thought it was supposed to say, okay? And I looked up there and it just threw me off completely. But here we go. For where one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? And then he goes on in verse number five and he says, uh, that is, no. Yeah, I'm, I completely messed this up. But that's all right, we're still preaching. Praise God. The, but anyway, he's, he said, you're, you're behaving like you are mere men, like you are still carnal. It is time for us to grow up. It is time for us. All right, if he said, if he said an indication that you're still carnal is when there's strife and confusion and divisions and these, this stuff going on among you, he's saying that is a sure sign you are not ready for strong meat. You are not ready to go on. We got to get you weaned off the milk, praise God, and we've got to get you on to some solid food. Praise God. God is wanting us to grow up, and this is where we are right now as a body. You know, and I got to tell you, I've been hearing murmurings. I've been hearing murmurings and reports of murmurings. And what, what it's telling me is some of you are not ready to, to grow up. But here's what I'm saying today. I'm saying you're that 40-year-old that's still in the house. And it's time we're drawing the line and we're saying the rest of us, we're going on. We still love you if you don't want to go. We still love you. And we're still going to pray for you. And we're still going to feed you with milk. But the rest of us are going on. We're not hanging back for you. Did you get that? All right. The rest of us are moving on we are not hanging back for you. So if you would like to try some meat, we're going to feed it today. Praise God. We're going to feed some meat today. I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Turn in your Bibles. You do have them, right? Okay. All right. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 12, says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers. See, he's repeating this, this whole idea again. It's time for you to, to, to be grown up. You should be a teacher by now. And he says, um, And needs, uh, you sh let me start over again. For though by this time, you ought to be teachers, yet you still need someone to teach again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. He said you should be teachers by now, but you're actually going backwards. You, you reached a point we should have started feeding you meat, but you decided that you still want, and so therefore we still need to feed you some milk. Now, this is tough stuff. 
All right? But tough stuff belongs to tough people. Praise God. Tough stuff belongs to the people that are ready to grow up and ready to mature. And this stuff becomes necessary for us. Hallelujah. We're trying to help you grow. Turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor loves me so much, he wants to help me grow. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's go on. Verse number 13 of, uh, of Hebrews chapter 5. He says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. So this is like a kid trying to teach. So you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. You don't need to be teaching if you're unskilled. Now, he goes on and he says, he is still a babe. Verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, this is a powerful power. There, this is packed with some revelation right here. Right here in this verse, he says that those who are full age, he, said, he, he tells you how to know if you're full age. He says if you have your senses exercised, that means you have been, now, now I know there, you know, we all know about the exorcist. All right, that's not what we're talking about. You're not talking about that kind of exercised. You're not talking about the, you know, some people had their senses exercised. They had their senses cast out, and like they, they don't have any senses left. All right, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you have been exercising. You have been building yourself up. You, you have been going to the gym. That, that's the kind of exercising he's talking about here. He says, you have your senses exercised. You have been using your senses. Now, here's the thing. They put a sign out here on the street that says, speed limit, 30 miles per hour. Why did they put that sign there? You know, somebody said, that sign is totally unnecessary. Well, for some people it is, but for some people it's not. See, if everyone who drives an automobile could discern what a safe speed is, the sign would be unnecessary. The sign is there because some people can't figure out that 75 down Mermod Street is not safe. And so they put a sign there to tell you what is safe. I love something. I, I, I love to quote this, this quote from my friend Jerry Vaughn. Jerry says that external government is necessary when internal government is weak or non-existent. 
In other words, when you can't be governed from the inside, then somebody's going to have to govern you from the outside. So if you want to grow up and want to mature, and you want to prove you're ready to go on, the thing is, show some evidence that you know the difference between good and evil. Now, do you realize that the Ten Commandments were put in the Bible for a, for a very good reason? Because people couldn't figure out what sin was. People couldn't figure that out. Did you know that was never God's best? That's why he only gave Adam one commandment. He didn't give Adam ten commandments. He gave him one commandment. He said to Adam, see that tree right there in the middle of the garden? Don't eat from that tree. That was all he said. That was the only commandment Adam had. Don't eat from that tree. Why? Because Adam had government from the inside. Praise God. Now, thou shalt not commit adultery was pretty easy because Eve was the only woman around. So, you know, that was pretty easy. But thou shalt not murder, you know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou sh you know. I mean, you got all these commandments. So, uh, the, these ten commandments, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You know, you've got, you've got these, these commandments but those were unnecessary because Adam could tell the difference from the inside. Now, I realize, and I've, I've heard this quote so many times lately that I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've heard it. But, you know, woe is he that calls good evil and evil good. But that's where a lot of people are. They don't know the difference. They can't tell the difference. But here's the thing. You know, some Christians still can't figure out the difference between good and evil. And the Bible says that sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. But some people can't figure it. They've they got no internal government. God wanted us to come to a place that we are governed from the inside. You see, it shouldn't be necessary to preach law. It shouldn't be necessary to preach the Ten Commandments. You ought to know that cheating on your wife is wrong. You ought to know from the inside. See, even, even sinners sometimes know better than that. You know, it, why do they call why does a person who has no concept of God whatsoever why do they call adultery cheating? Ever think about that? <laughs> at least they have a little something on the inside of them. Now they might not be following that, but at least they they know something isn't right about this. Why do we still have it going on in church? 
Why do we still have Christians that can't figure out that it is wrong to cheat on their income tax? Hmm. Why do we still have Christians that will lie? Like nothing. They think nothing of it. Why, why do we still have that stuff going on? Because they're not being governed from the inside. And so, is it time that we go back and start preaching law again? I don't believe so. There's some of us who want to go into maturity. Praise God. Praise God. And if you don't, we'll teach you those other things in a, in a different session. All right? Praise God. But you see, he says you have your senses exercised to discern good and evil. Good and evil. Praise God. You, you should know from the inside that certain things are wrong. You should know from, from, the, from your spirit that certain things are wrong. Now, he goes on, and Paul shifts gears. Once There again, I go saying Paul. But it, it, you know what I mean. If I say it again, I'm not going to apologize again. All right? I'm just going to say it right now. If I say Paul again, you, I mean the writer of Hebrews. Whoever that was, if it's Paul, great. If it wasn't, then... My bad. But uh, it's still the Word of God and it's still a Holy Spirit author. Praise God. All right. So, anyway, he says they are unskilled in the Word of righteousness. The Word of, what is the Word of righteousness? The Word of righteousness, the Bible says that I am not ashamed of the gospel. The Apostle Paul did say this. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then he goes on and he says, for in it, he says, in, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Praise God. So he tells us, that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So what's he talking about? He's talking about that a man is made righteous, not because of his own works, but he's made righteous because of Jesus, through faith in Jesus. So when he uses the, the word of righteousness right here, when he says that they're unskilled in the word of righteousness, he says that they don't understand that they're not made righteous because of their good deeds. They're made righteous because they believe in what Jesus did. Praise God. But if you're unskilled in the word of righteousness, here's what a lot of people are doing. They're mixing the old and the new. Under the old, you know, you were told every commandment, everything you needed to do, you weren't expected to know anything from the inside. You're just expected to keep the rules in the book. That's it. Just keep the commandments. You're good. And then when you break them, then there's some more commandments to go with that. And if you break them, well, then you've got to bring this sacrifice, and you've got to offer this sacrifice, and you've got to do, you know. And so there were, there were these commandments, and all that you had to do was just follow the written rules and... And do what it said. 
Nobody ever did. But that's, that's what you had to do under the old. Now, here we come along, and, and he talks about the word of righteousness and being skilled in the word of righteousness, and, and that is having a grasp on what Christ did for you. Christ freed you from the power of sin, not gave you the freedom to sin. All right? Do you, do you understand the difference? Do you see the, the difference? It may be subtle. You know, it, it may, be, may seem like, well, that's just a minor little difference there. Jesus came to free us from the power of sin. The Bible says his name shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Praise God. So he's saving, he saved us from the power that sin had over us. Before we became new creatures in Christ, there was a power that sin had over your life, and you couldn't just stop because you wanted to stop. Sin had a stranglehold on you. But Jesus came along, and Jesus freed us from the power of sin. He didn't come to make it okay for us to sin. Now, let's go on. Hebrews 6, we're just jumping. He says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Now, what's the elementary principles of Christ? He's going to lay them out here in just a minute, but the essence is the writer of Hebrews spent the first five chapters explaining to the Hebrews. Now, now get this. The Hebrews, it's not just the name of a, of a book in your Bible. Hebrews was a people, a, a race of people. Abraham was a Hebrew. All right? He was called the Hebrew. You might say, well, I thought he was a Jew. Well, there was no Jew at Abraham's day. Jew didn't come along until the law. That, that, that's when people became Jews. But now, the Jews came from the Hebrews. And so, the writer here is writing to the Hebrew race of people. And you say, okay, well then that doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. If you know what he said. All right? He wrote to the Hebrews, and you say, well, why does it apply to me? Because most of us, probably all of us, have been affected by people teaching a mixture of law and grace. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. And so, if you've been taught a mixture of law and grace... Well, you have to accept Jesus as your Savior, but then you've got to keep keeping the law. If you've heard anything like that, well, you better be keeping those Ten Commandments. You're breaking those Ten Commandments, then, you know, God's going to get you for that. Well, if you've been taught stuff like that, if you've, if you've heard stuff like that, you've been affected by people who have been teaching the mixture. So we've got to be able to discern what the mixture is. So, the first five chapters of Hebrews, he is explaining 
to the Hebrews that Jesus is God. Jesus came in the flesh. Jesus, is, you know, he, he came to redeem you. He came to, to pay for your sins. He came to offer himself as a sacrifice. And, and so he is establishing in the first five chapters of Hebrews who Jesus is. And why Jesus? See, because if you know, they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. They, they uh, by and large, they rejected Jesus. So Paul is, or, is saying, I told you I'm going to apologize again. So the writer of Hebrews is saying that, uh, you know, here's why. Jesus is your Messiah. Here's why Jesus is the one that you need to be putting your trust in. And he's been establishing that. And he's been, and so he gets here to chapter 6 and he says, leaving behind the elementary principles of Christ. He said, all that first five chapters was all elementary principles of Christ. Now, he didn't say, let's tear up this foundation and let's start something else. No. Here's what he said. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. In other words, let us grow up. And then he says, we're not going to lay again the foundation, and he tells us what the foundation is, repentance from dead works. What's that? Well, dead works is that I'm trying to be righteous by my good works. He said, we're not, you know, uh, and the elementary principles of Christ said that it's not about your works. It's about what you believe about Jesus. All right? So he said, we don't need to be saying that anymore. It's, you know, that should be an established fact. All right? And I'm going to say that after 10 years of preaching grace in this church, you ought to be beyond trying to, trying to get, be righteous by your good works. I shouldn't have to stand here and preach that every week. Now, there again, sometimes we have people that haven't been here for 10 years. We have people come in that, so, so you're going to have to bear with me at times that I go back and I teach, but it sh that, that shouldn't be necessary for you, but you should be uh, willing to let me do that for the sake of those who, ha who haven't learned what you've learned. But to hear that over and over and over and over and over and over again should be unnecessary for those of you who have been sitting under grace teaching for 10 years. We ought to be able to, to not lay again that foundation of repentance from dead works. I'm turning away from trusting in my dead works, my inactive, my ineffective works. I'm trusting in Jesus. And so you can say, I don't need that anymore because that's already established in my life. We don't need to teach that again except for the fact that some haven't heard it yet. All right? Get that? Now, here we go. 
repentance from dead works, and of faith towards God. That repentance from dead works goes hand in hand with faith toward God. Faith toward God means that, uh, you know, I'm not trusting in those dead works anymore. Now I am operating by faith in what God did in Christ. Praise God. And then he goes on, he says, of the doctrine of baptisms. He's not saying you don't baptize people anymore. That's not what he's saying. He is saying that we don't need to be talking about what baptism means anymore. If you're, if you're mature. Once again, we still need to do it because not everybody has been around. Not everybody has heard all the teaching you've heard. Praise God. And, and, and in all reality, we want people who haven't heard all the teaching you've heard. We want to be bringing in new people all the time. Praise God. We want to fill the house with, with new people who are learning this stuff for the first time. So therefore, uh, you know, we're still going to begin, we're, we're still going to continue to teach those things. Praise God. And, and here's what the mature people do. The mature people give way and, 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 and you know, here, here's the thing. You need to go and study for yourself. You say, well, I, I need something deeper than that. You got a Bible, right? Then go deeper. Go deeper. If you got a Bible, go deeper. There are plenty of resources to go deeper. You want to go deeper? Come to Bible study. You know, I had Bible study for six months here, and there were three people that showed up. That says somebody didn't want to go deeper. They, they were happy with hearing the elementary principles over and over again. You want to go deeper? Connect group meets on Wednesdays at 6.30. Be here. You want to go deeper? You want to go deeper? You can go deeper if you want to go deeper. But if you want to be spoon-fed and bottle-fed, then, you know, what can I say? You're not going to grow up. Praise God. Growing up means you start taking care of yourself. When, when you grow up, that means you go buy your own groceries. That means you get your own food. Daddy stops providing for you when you get mature. You know, I don't buy groceries and take them to Jason's house. Unless he invites me. You know, I, I don't supply his house with groceries. Because that's not my job. But it is his job to provide groceries for Brooklyn and Connor. You see the difference. Now, here's the deal. If you want to go deep, then go deep. There is nothing preventing you from going deep. There is plenty of teaching available to go deep. Hallelujah. Now, repentance from dead works, doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, I shouldn't have to convince you that Jesus was raised from the dead. Of eternal judgment. Which, 
I, I was meditating on that right there. That, that verse that says of eternal judgment. Here, here's what. We have always viewed the word judgment in a negative context. Oh, judgment, that means I'm in trouble. But did you know he's going to judge your good works too? He's going to judge what you've done right too. So judgment's not a bad thing unless you've, you know, unless you've done something to be judged negatively for. Praise God. Sometimes you judge, you know, here, here's what, here, let me give you an example of judgment. When I stand before Jesus, I expect him to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, what, have he, what has he just, just done? He has judged me to be a good and faithful servant. He has judged that what I have done is good. Well done. Praise God. So judgment doesn't have to be a negative thing. But anyway, he says of eternal judgment. He says, and this we will do if God permits. And then he begins to move on, and he begins to, to, to get into some other things. But here, this is, this is where we are right now. We are sitting right at this moment in this church at Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. So where are we? Well, where are we going from here? Where are we going from here? We are going on to We're going to grow up into love, and faith works by love. We have been talking about, uh, you know, faith working by love. Well, you know, that it's, and, and, and what that means when I begin to operate in the love of God, when I begin to, to uh, uh minister in the love of God, when I begin to live my life in the love of God, it ceases to be just about me, and it starts to be about other people. When I operate in the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit, it's not about me showing off, and, and it is about considering my brother above myself. Praise God. It is about setting selfishness aside. And it is about considering that everything I do in my life, no matter what I do, how does it affect others? Praise God. How does it affect others? And how does it contribute? You know, I, I had a, a missionary here that ministered in our church years ago. And he, t he told me, he said, uh, uh he said, I had a, uh, one of our partners, a supporter of our ministry. He said, they were supporting our ministry. And this was this quite a few years ago, so this will help you to understand how, how, how huge this was. But he said, this partner was supporting our ministry at $1,000 a month. It was a church, and they were supporting this ministry at, at, at $1,000 a month. And, uh, and he said, uh, then... All of a sudden, zero. And, uh, and then he found out that the pastor of the church had uh, been caught in adultery. And therefore, the, he lost the church. So there's no more support. And, you know, if you're a missionary on the field, and, and I mean, today that would probably be $1,000 a month. Uh, and so, um, 
if you you consider that you're a missionary out on the field and you lose suddenly that that kind of income into your ministry it affects what you do and so he said that this pastor then later on um uh, he got things straightened out got things right and and was working on getting his ministry restored and and that kind of thing and uh he said that said he told me he said you know when i was doing that he said i never thought about how it would affect the gospel mature people think about everything they do and how it affects the gospel you see we've been given one commission not a whole bunch of commissions We've been given one commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Praise God. And all the things that, that are involved with that and all the things that that entails, but the commission is go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so every aspect of our lives, you, you see, here's the deal, that if I'm not going to do the commission, I might as well go to heaven today. I, I have no more benefit for the earth. I have no, no more purpose to be here on earth if I'm not going to be involved in what Jesus told me to do. And so we got to consider that everything we do is toward the commission and, and uh, is somehow tied into that. And mature people consider that. You know, the mature driver that drives down the street considers what will happen if he drives 75. He considers that. It's not that sometimes you don't get in a hurry and you don't want to go 75. You know, I do. If I'm hungry, I want to get to lunch. You know, I want to go 75, but I consider that that's not a good idea. And not everything I, I want to do is a good idea. But praise God, we're growing up. We're going to grow up. And I'm trusting that you're going to come along. Praise God. Praise God. And I know we don't have a whole lot of time this morning left. You know, I said last week that I was going to go along, and then somebody said, you said you were going along, and you didn't. Well, I didn't say it today, and I did. So that, that makes up for it. So, uh, so we're even now. Praise God. And so anyway, with that said, let's give people an opportunity right now to receive Jesus as their Savior. Praise God. If you're in this room today, you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. We want to invite you right now. I know that this message today has been a little different. But I want to take just a few minutes right here. And I want to present a gospel truth to you. I want to preach a gospel truth to you. If you're, just a couple minutes.
God created man, he put him in the Garden of Eden, and he gave them a commandment. Not to eat of the fruit of the tree that was in the middle of the garden. Man broke that commandment, and because of that, he died spiritually. He changed kingdoms. He changed from the kingdom of God, moved over to the kingdom of death and darkness. From that moment, every person born on this planet, with the exception of one named Jesus, talk about him in just a moment but from that moment forward everyone else coming into this world was born in that kingdom of darkness and there was no way out so God devised a plan even before it ever happened he had a plan devised of what he would do said he would send his son into the world and his son Jesus would come into this world Jesus was born of a virgin which means that Adam's sin was not passed down to Jesus so he was sinless he was the only person not born in that kingdom of darkness and then one at one point in Jesus ministry he made this statement. He said, I'm the door. Another place he said, no one comes to the Father except by me. You see, he became the door for you to pass back out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God again. Prior to that, prior to Jesus, there was no way back. Now, people are still born in that kingdom of darkness, but the door is wide open. Jesus is wide open to you. He said, you, you can come to the Father by Him. That's why He said, I am the way, not a way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He wasn't trying to be exclusionary. He wasn't trying to keep some people out. You know, maybe you've got another idea of how to get to God. Well, Jesus said He's the only way. And so... He wasn't trying to keep some people out. He was telling everyone how to get in. Praise God. And I love to say that because, you know, no matter what your efforts have been in the past, maybe they've been religion, maybe they've been your own self-effort, maybe they are, have been some other religion. Well, we don't hate other religions. We just want you to know the way in. We just want to point you to the door. Praise God. The door is Jesus. Praise God. So if you will come to the door right now, say, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says this. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation so you believe that Jesus is the way and you verbally acknowledge what you believe praise God so I want to pray a prayer with you and I want to ask you to repeat back after me and 
if you mean what you're saying, the moment we say amen at the end of this, you will be saved. You will have passed through the door into the kingdom of God, into the family of God. You will have been born again. The process of passing through the door is called a new birth. Praise God. And you will have been born again, born of God. Hallelujah. Now, isn't that simple? So simple. Praise God. And it's at that moment that you can begin to know God for yourself. Praise God. So repeat this after me. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And he paid for my sin. And then he rose again from the dead so I could have new life. He said, I am the door. Today, I choose the door. I choose to walk through the door. I choose Jesus. I believe that Jesus is Lord. And I choose him as my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love with you.